Welcome to Insights, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Insights is an audio podcast that provides perspective on the opportunities and uncertainties facing investors today. Today's program, the Market Insights Notes on the Week Ahead. One of the most annoying habits of American retailers is they never let you enjoy the season you're in. As the kids go back to school, they're selling snow shovels. When you're actually shoveling snow, sunscreen and bathing suits are on the shelves. And when you're finally seeing some, some warmer weather, they start marketing back-to-school gear. However, I suppose the truth is there are solid commercial reasons for looking for a season ahead. And the same can be said for investing. In the spring of 2018, the economic climate is heating up. Growth is strengthening, unemployment is falling, and oil prices, inflation and interest rates are all rising. However, for investors, while it is a good idea to take advantage of a hotter economy in the short run, it is also prudent to consider how to position for slower growth. This is particularly the case as a number of trends are pointing to the inevitability of slower growth, possibly starting sometime next year. I do want to be clear at the outset, however, that these trends are not pointing to recession at this time, just slower growth. In particular, investors may want to consider the collective impacts of fading fiscal stimulus, more impactful monetary tightening, and a growing scarcity of workers. First, the fiscal fade. Last year's Tax Cut and Jobs Act contains major fiscal stimulus, but it is front-loaded. On the individual side, the tax cuts generally stay in place through 2025. However, for the path of economic growth, it is the change in the stimulus, rather than its level, that matters. From this perspective, the second quarter of 2019 should represent the high point of stimulus. Income tax refunds could be particularly high next year because while income tax rates change on January 1st, new withholding schedules are generally not implemented until mid-February. In addition, tax reform greatly reduced the scope of the alternative minimum tax, which will reduce annual taxes in April of next year. However, particularly low taxes paid in April 2019 actually means that between the second and third quarters of next year, the tax cut stimulus for invest individuals should fall a bit and then be a neutral factor thereafter. On the corporate side, 100% expensing of capital equipment bought this year will provide significant tax savings for corporations. However, capital equipment that is expensed in 2018 can't be capitalized in 2019, and this will thus reduce tax savings next year. Also, having already booked the cost of the repatriation tax, companies are free to use surplus overseas cash as they see fit, without further tax consequences. However, to the extent that this leads to a surge in capital spending, dividends and stock buybacks this year, it will be hard to sustain that surge in 2019. A second potential cause of a slowdown next year is gradually tightening monetary policy. Today's warming economy provides ample reason for the Federal Reserve to continue to raise short-term rates. The economy has met or exceeded the Fed's long-term targets on growth, unemployment and inflation. In addition, they are motivated to raise rates to counter excessive fiscal stimulus, ward off asset bubbles and to give themselves a scope to cut interest rates sharply when the economy is next threatened by recession. Because of this, we generally expect the Fed to raise rates at each of the next five press conference FOMC meetings, taking the federal funds rate from, from its, to its current long-term target of 2.75% to 3% by the middle of next year. While this level is by no means extreme, it needs to be recognized that each successive rate hike inflicts a more significant drag on the economy. You see, increasing interest rates from a very low level may actually stimulate demand by increasing interest income 
and motivating buyers and sellers to make a deal before rates rise further. In addition, the first few rate hikes tend not to hurt the housing market, since the binding constraints on home building tend to be credit scores and down payments rather than monthly payments. However, if mortgage rates move back over 5% before the end of this year, as seems quite possible, they will represent a more serious drag on the economy. This will particularly be the case if the Fed, phase, uh, Fed eventually raises the federal funds rate above its long-term target. A third reason for a slowdown is a chronic lack of labour supply that could end up dampening demand. In theory, when unemployment falls to very low levels, companies bid up wages and they get the workers they want. Of course, at high wages, they may not hire quite as many as they would have at low wages. But still, a surge in aggregate demand should be met with a combination of higher wages and more employment. However, the lack of qualified workers may undermine demand itself. There are now almost 6.6 .6 million job openings in the United States, more than the number of people un unemployed. A builder, rather than pay more in searching for a plumber or an electrician, may postpone a job. A patient who can't get an appointment to see a doctor for a checkup until October may just wait until then. A tech firm, rather than search hopelessly for qualified workers in the US, may expand overseas. In other words, the struggle to find workers, instead of leading to higher wages, could lead to suppressed demand. One of the oldest laws in economics was coined by a French economist, Jean-Baptiste Say, who postulated that supply creates its own demand. The idea is that, for the economy as a whole, producing more goods and services generates the income with which to buy them. But Say's law may also work in reverse. A lack of labour supply could dampen down demand, leading to lower economic growth. This hasn't been tested often, since the economy rarely approaches maximum potential employment. However, with tight labour markets, retiring baby boomers and apparently falling immigration, 2019 may well be the year in which a lack of workers provides a major drag on the economy. But if growth does slow in 2019, how should investors prepare? First, recognise that this is a future potential slowdown rather than a current reality. And until it occurs, the economic environment should be generally favourable for stocks and unfavourable for bonds. Second, note that by early next year, if the federal funds rate moves towards 3% and 10-year Treasury yields move above 3.5%, they may both be close to their peak for the current cycle. This suggests that 2019 may be a time to consider moving back to a more neutral stance with regard to both cash and bonds. Third, it will be important to diversify globally. While growth could slow in the US in late 2019 and into 2020, Europe is much earlier in its economic cycle and will not be coming off a fiscal sugar high. Meanwhile, emerging market equities could well outperform their US counterparts, provided slow growth in the US does not turn into something more serious. Finally, investors will need to pay increased attention to sector and security selection. While the beta opportunity of strong equity market gains could fade, the valuation dislocations caused by the differential effects of the tax cut should provide an alpha opportunity to skilled managers. Perhaps the main point is that late in a long and particularly unusual economic expansion and bull market, Investors need to recognise that growth surges, like the summer, don't last forever, and they will need to be prepared to adjust strategy when the financial weather turns cooler. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week, and if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only, and as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient.
The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.